Welcome to Getting to the Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with the founder of Heavy Paper Company. We have Lawrence Moore. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate being here. Yeah. So local, um, lots of like cool things. I see some of the work that's, that's popping up. I saw it was, uh, it was something recently with Grant Street Candle. Yeah, so recently, uh, Grand Street, um, 228 Grand Street Candle Company, mm-hmm. they they moved over to a new location, and I guess that would be Highland Town, um, okay. where, what, what's that brewery, um, Monument, where the Monument Brewery is, over in yeah. that area, so um, they're doing a lot of uh, uh, customizations of their, of their studio, and actually, uh, Kendall, he he's the owner of that business. He's he's been a supporter of mine um, since I first started, you know, making and creating and fabricating full time. So um, as his business grows, he always reaches back <laughs> and definitely asks asks me to um, do some custom pieces for his shop. So I've done some signage, some ca- a cash wrap unit, um, and some other um, other things around around his uh, new studio which is, which smells great, by the way, if you've never been in, in, in a, uh, in a candle, in a candle studio. So yeah, we'll, we'll get back into that. I was trying, I was giving a little bit of a teaser, Sasson for the fine folks listening. Um, mm-hmm. actually, um, grabbed a candle, um, a couple of candles, um, as I ran out of this, this joint that I got from Bazaar and I got, got something from, uh, I believe it was Greedy Reads and it had the 228, uh, Grand Street candles. I got mm-hmm. this coconut and bergamot, which that is the combination, like the, the, the studios right now, the Rob, the Rob Lee studios right now is smelling great. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to like uh, a fat dude that's been working out, it smells like bergamot and coconut. <laughs> no, that's so, great. Yeah, I, I, I can. I'm sure that I, I don't have that one, but I'm sure <laughs> I, I can imagine how that one smells. When I go over there later this week, because I have another piece to put up, um, yeah. I might just have to uh, beg and plead for some uh, some fresh scents while I'm there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I'll I'll say this. I've I've been in a spot where. I've worked, I've done radio and I've done podcasts and stuff for people and like trainings and such. I was like, I've worked for donuts. I've worked mm-hmm. for liquor. <laughs> yeah. Working for candles might be a new thing for me. So, <laughs> um, but let's, let's not bury it. Um, so I came across your, your stuff, um, your account, and it's some really unique stuff that's out there. Um, custom work and it's, it's really stellar. Um, one thing that comes to mind is this, uh, it was a Game Boy cartridge, like, like table I saw. I was like, all right, mm-hmm. this, this guy, this guy gets it. So describe your work and how you got started in this kind of customization, this fabrication, custom furniture. Describe what you do and how you do it. Yeah, so. Well, when you got started, rather. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess my my uh, my main pitch or elevator pitch when people ask me what I do is I, I create form, function, and beauty through raw materials. So I'm not, I'm not so much of, of a just a you know somebody may just categorize what I do as carpentry. I mean I do do woodwork, um, but I also do uh, fabricate with plastics, metals, um, foam, whatever raw material that you, you can buy, um, cement, like I, that I fabricate based upon what the material will let me mold it into. And hopefully it's something that can one solve a problem for you to, um, add beauty to your space. Right. So, and, and mm-hmm. functionality, those, those type of things. 
how I got started in, in, um, in making or creating, uh, I can, I can fancy back to it as to a child where, you know, I would make, make things, um, out of like a shoe box. I one time I made a candy machine out of a shoe box and a hanger and some tinfoil. So I, I can, I can think back to, you know, those moments where I didn't exactly know what it was. Um, but then fast forward to my time here in Baltimore, where, um, uh, I had a set of neighbors and they opened up the, they the found the founders of the station North tool library, where, um, you can rent and borrow tools, uh, similar to you to a regular book library. Right. Um, so inside of that space, they have a wood shop and they taught classes and, I was able to expand my palette in terms of um, the things I was able to create. And that was pretty much uh, the springboard into, into making. Now, fast forward even further, um, I've been uh, doing this for as, as a full-time job for um, close to four years now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'll hear. Yeah, I'll hear. I like it. I, I like hearing that um, you took something like it's one of those things, I think, and maybe get your take on it. It's one of those things, I think, where you you have something that's at least an interest or something you kind of stumble into as a kid. And you're like, I might have some talent here, you know, some, some youthful talent. And you you have the opportunity to either foster that and kind of maybe turn it into something that's monetizable since that's the word that people throw around or you just let it go. And I think a lot of times people try to just tell you to let that go and get a desk job or get something like that. But you were able to take something that you identified when you were younger. And it's like, Oh yeah, I like to do, I can do things like this. This, yes. this, this makes sense for me. So, I mean, it wasn't that, it wasn't that easy or that not easy, but it wasn't that um, transparent where um, I knew I could make things and it, it automatically went, I automatically went to that. Right. So yeah. growing up, you know, somebody, you know, they see that you tinkering with something or you're taking something apart and in the eighties in the and early nineties, it was, Oh, you like that? Uh, you should be an engineer. So I have in my mind now that, Oh, I need to be an engineer, uh, as a kid, so, you know, and then they ask you that ubiquitous question, or what do you want to be when you grow up? So I'm now, I'm like, Oh, I want to be an engineer until you get to, uh, um, some math class that you like, wait a second, this is not what I signed up for. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm terrible at math, but, uh, so then I move into some, something else. So I'm like, okay, um, I work with people, I'm a people person. So I'm now I'm in human service and now I'm teaching. So I taught school for a lot of years. Uh, uh um, and, uh, you know, that was fine, but now, now, uh, backtracking into things that I'm more interested in or also have a passion for. Um, so now I kind of put that into my making. So that's how I got, got to that. I can definitely echo that sentiment as far as, Hey, you're going to be an engineer. It's like mm -hmm. someone told me I was going to be that because I wore glasses or something like that when I was yeah. younger. And, mm -hmm. um, I, my, mine's wasn't math. I'm, I'm good at math. Mine's was physics. It was like, mm -hmm. Oh, you got to take more of these. I was like, pardon me excuse mm -hmm. me. And I was like, Oh no, I'm just going to do business. And, mm -hmm. you know, I kind of got some of those principles, but learned that I'm more of a creative spirit than purely a chase the brass ring, get up at four and chase the, the dragon. It's not really my thing. I'd rather, 
I kind of backdoored into wanting to do something more creative. I just looked at it as a hobby initially. And now it's just like, oh, okay, no, I like to do this. And how can I merge these things that are of interest for me into something that makes sense and make my own lane and niche? Yeah, no, I get that. Um, so for you, and, and, and this is, I like to leave it as broad as possible because people have said various, have given me various responses from, I don't need anything to, I need a lot of weed or whatever. Uh, what is the most important tool to you as a creator? Mm. The, most in, the most important tool for me as a creative uh, is probably uh, inspiration through through others and the world around me. So I take a lot of uh, uh, design cues or features um, from you know shapes, colors, um, and accessibility to to materials. So I try to use whatever I have or uh, experiment with different things. So, yeah, I would, I would say the world around me, that's what I need to create. So in that you, you're, you're getting inspiration from what's around you with it. So you're originally from what, New York? Yeah. Yeah. Born and raised so, in New York. Mm. Which, which part of New York? Queens. All right. All right. My, my, my partner is from New York. Cause I always had to do that kind of scene check. It was like, which part of New York are you from? <laughs> gotcha. uh, so in, in that, like, what have you noticed in terms of maybe that, that inspiration? Do you go back home, like back, back to New York on occasion to like, kind of say, you know what, I maybe need to get something, ref a little bit of a refresher going back home and kind of checking like just, just that environment there and maybe carry that over to a new piece that you're working on. Mm -hmm. Or is it, you just solely need it from, do you travel in a way to kind of get that inspiration for some of the work that you're going to do? Yeah, definitely. I don't, well, I don't necessarily go back to New York that often, um, but I definitely do travel a lot to um, one, get, just get a feel for different areas of the country or the world and, and, and take uh, design cues from, from other pieces, you know, nothing new under the sun, but it's how you implement it. Um, so that's definitely a part of my arsenal. Totally. So in instances where, cause I think we, we all run into it where if we're, what's the, what's the saying? People that are creative are very sensitive. Uh, yes, so uh, were you ever discouraged? Speak of a time when you were discouraged and, and, and how did that affect your creativity? And ultimately mm. how did you, you rebound from it? Yeah. So I'm discouraged often, but not, <laughs> not from um, outside forces. Normally it's myself and my skill set and my, um, we, we call it, uh, imposter syndrome when it comes to the arts and being creative. So I'll second guess myself and then I uh, get discouraged about it. And then I'll share with, you know, my inner circle and then they're like, no, that's really good. Or and then you're like, you're looking for, re you're looking for that reinforcement and then it comes and then deep down you, you was like, man, I knew it was great, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but in the moment you're always like, nah, this, this ain't it, especially because the way, the way everything is now, you're, you're inundated with all of these images of other great things. And you're like, uh, I don't know if mine is up to that far. And so you, you start second guessing yourself. 
Yeah, it's it's an internal thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I think like when I run into the imposter thing all the time, especially as I was you know sharing with you before we got started. Like uh, I've done a hundred of these podcasts and talking to people who are who are artists, talking to people who are tastemakers and very talented. It's like, oh, you did that. You're 12. Like, oh no, like I'm a, like I'm no one. I'm 36. It's done. <laughs> and uh, and I, I look at it and it's like it's coming from me because I'll have people that'll hit me up like, man, really love what you're doing, man. You're like you're like the goat when it comes to that. It's like, nah, nobody. And it, it comes from me and definitely echoing that um, that kind of outsider, that imposter syndrome thing. And you know, I'll reach out to people again, like like you were saying in that circle. And I think it's, it's important to have people that they don't have anything to gain from telling, giving you honest feedback. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Um, in, in that, in, in, in terms of having that loop of that feedback loop or that, that circle, is it important for you to be around other people who not are necessarily in the type of creative space you're in or the type of business you're in, but being around other people who are in business and other people who are creative. Do you, do you get like energy from that? Do you take solace from that, that they may be able to understand you better than someone or understand what you're dealing with better than someone who isn't in those, those spaces? No, I don't think it's really necessary for me to be um, around a lot of, a lot of those people, but I think it naturally happens. Um, being, being a creative, you naturally just gravitate toward, you know, uh, people in the same, in the same field, uh, or are just doing, doing things similar to yourself in terms of, you know, um, business owners or things of that nature. So yeah, just about to answer your question. No, I don't think it's really necessary for me, but I think it just happens that way. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, um, People who are in that music industry aren't just like, yeah, I just hang out with only chefs. I, yeah. It's like naturally, it's like, yeah, I'm going to hang out with a bassist. Yeah. It's just, just what I'm doing. Right. And then sometimes you just like need somebody to complain to. And those people that you complain to, you want them to understand your plight. This is why I've been a podcaster for 12 years. I just want people to understand my plight. I want them to understand my plight, Lawrence. Uh, yeah. <laughs> describe the thinking, that aha moment or that moment where you're like, Eh, I'm going to take this leap and I'm going to go into literally, I'm going to go into business and I'm going to launch. What was the thinking that went into that? Describe that for me. Uh, for me, it was, uh, I think the universe really pushes us into uh, where we're supposed to be in that moment. Um, and when I say moment, I, I, I call them lifetimes uh, or another life. Like, you know, the time when I was teaching uh, middle school, that, that was how I describe it now. That's an, that's another life for me. And, uh, for me, this, this lifetime is, it, it, it came to be where, um, I couldn't do both any longer for a long time. I was, I was burning it on both ends and, you know, teaching during the day and, you know, making and creating at night. And then the universe told me, no, you, you need to focus on one. So at the start of the school year, mind you, I have to tell the principal, yeah, you know what? I'm not never coming back no more. <laughs> and so I gave, I gave notice at like the beginning of the school year. And that rarely happens. You just, uh, and, and I, and I kind of, 
I mean, it was it was a it was a world where a relationship we have a good relationship, so it was like she knew it was coming. She just didn't know when. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know that I just started going over this handbook to the students mm-hmm. and all, but I'm at the peace out. It's been real. <laughs> like literally the first two weeks of school, I'm like, uh, you know that contract I signed a couple weeks ago during oh, the summer. Not- <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to. Gonna have to that was that, that lifetime. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. send it to another <laughs> lifetime. Right. Um. Yeah. Um. So, what what drew you to 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 custom fabrication and, and over other creative pursuits? Because I find like people say, oh yeah, you know, I, I was also a comedian or, or something like that. I was also working in this industry. Um. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was interesting. I shared with a um a chef friend of mine that I was literally going to school for um, uh, um, culinary arts before I just chose business, but I was definitely in the path and I kind of dabble in it. And that's kind of the thing I, you know, really wanted to, that would have been my fallback, if you will. Um, so what drew you to what you're doing versus like other pursuits that are in a creative space? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I don't think I have in, in that sense, in that sense of uh, different creative spaces. I don't think I have that, that made me decide fabrication was was the way to go for me. Um, I am I am into roller skating, pretty heavy. So, um, but I didn't I didn't see like I use that to I use that as more of an escape, yeah. and that's not what fabrication is like. You know, I'm running a business here. I'm not running a roller skate business, even though it is a creative medium. Um, but that's more of my, my get away from everything space. I am encountering more roller skaters (laughs) doing this podcast. I was like, Oh, what is, what is this roller skater community in Baltimore? Yeah. Who do you, who do you know? I probably know them. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Uh, Glenn for Nunez. (laughs) Oh, Nunez. Yeah. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, yeah, I posted yeah. this episode the other day. Oh yeah, you did. You yeah. tell me he's doing a podcast on him. Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll text him after this and give, give him a hard time. All right. <laughs> it, was, it was funny when we we talked. He was just like, I feel like we're in a Spider Man meme that we're all just pointing at each other. And I was like, possibly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've known him for ten years now, so he's a good uh, dude. Yeah. Uh, so. You, you touched on the uh, the Station North, like, and I always blank on the name. The tool, is Tool, uh, tool Library. Shared, tool Library. Mm-hmm. So describe the importance of being in a community that is with other makers and, and helping that Baltimore maker scene specifically kind of prosper. Because, like, having those ties and, and, and being connected to that and even um, uh, the Made in Baltimore program, like, speak on that a bit. Yeah, so, I mean it really allows you to pull from other people. Uh, if you're not, if you're not a person that, you know, likes to work in solitude and need, uh, other people to pull from in terms of ideas or advice, or, um, it really gives you that platform to, to, uh, pull from and then encouragement of, yeah, you can really make a thing. And especially for me, when I was starting out, like, just small nuanced things that you that you really can't pick up anywhere else there were other people around who had those experiences in terms of how to make a thing and do it efficiently 
those people were around and were were always available for advice. It's, it's good to get that exchange, especially um, when you're developing something. And like, I really think that Baltimore has been on the come up in, in terms of, did you hear about it from the people that know? that mm-hmm. there's community here and there are various communities here and they're always receptive to, to work with people from what I've heard. And I think it is good to have those resources that are there of like, this is how I would do this, or this is how you, how you can try this and so on. And I think that's, that's a key thing that gets missed when people talk about the creative sp- space, the creative scene here, the maker scene, the art scene, the, the restaurant scene, it's, you know, it's always kind of there. There's always, it's always real. It's always authentic that you're going to have some things that are good, some things that are bad. But I think it being a community where you can find someone that can help you in that path. I think that's, that's an important thing to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I, th- now I have two last questions. Uh, mm-hmm. And then as I always like to do, I like to give my guests an opportunity to shamelessly. And I mean, just just make an ass out of yourself. Shamelessly plug uh, whatever they want to plug. But both of them have to do with projects. Um, one would be, what's the oddest project that you've worked on? Okay. So you may mention to it the Nintendo <laughs> cartridge end table slash coffee table um, thing that I made. That was probably three years ago at, at this point. But... Yeah, so no, I had a friend who actually is a skater. She came to me and said, you know, I really want this Nintendo cart. I want this table made out of, uh, uh, into a Nintendo, you know, the old school Nintendo cartridge video game. And it needs to look just like the, uh, the video game with the cutouts, the ridges in it, the color, the label of the game. And, not only did that throw me for a loop, but then she wanted the actual game label to be um, Friday the 13th. Like, that's wow. just, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, that was a video game back in the day, but you're like, why do you want the, <laughs> the, 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 um, the table to have the, the label of a classic horror movie? You must really be a fan of that game. To be that specific, um, and then the, I have another project that was pretty pretty wild. It was had to do um, pretty much a wooden womb or multiple wooden wombs, mm-hmm. and so it was just the carving of of a womb for I guess, I guess she's a doula. So I'm not, I'm not really sure. Don't give me the line about it, but (laughs) it's just, it it looks like a large wooden egg, the size of a, the size of a a female's uh, womb. Yeah. And, you know, I just felt like that's pretty, that's pretty wild for for a woman that somebody asked me to carve them with them. She was using them for educational purposes to teach her classes. And it was just something that she couldn't find anywhere else. And she, she wanted them handmade. So, I was the person trying to do that. Yeah, you were you were the wooden womb maker. I get wooden it. womb maker. <laughs> I mean, put that on there and that list of accomplishments. That would be great. You know, just yeah. have that out there. Have you ever made a wooden womb? <laughs> I haven't. See, see? <laughs> see? boom. You already better life. than me. This is my life. <laughs> um, now, now here's the other one, and 
in, in, in taking account, you could use something that's local that comes to mind. But for you, what would be that dream project that someone like commissions you, reaches out and like, look, I, I need this redone. I need something here. What would it be? And if it's, you know, bonus points, if it's something that's local to Baltimore, like specifically, like would it be that um, statue situation down there at Penn Station? Or if you could come in, you had, you know, whatever funds, what would be that dream project that you could um, make in your your own kind of uh, put your own kind of touch on? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if you're familiar with, you know, college fraternity, uh, historically black colleges and fraternities. And, you know, they always mm-hmm. have these um, fraternity and sorority plots mm-hmm. um, where, the, you know, pretty much the chapter members, they just design and decorate them based upon, you know, their organizational colors and, insignias and all that stuff i am an iota so i i, I always wanted to do an iota one and yeah. i went to a predominantly white school so they they didn't have um plots but at the black schools they do so right. I, every year I, I you know i ask the local chapters if they ever need one i tell them you know all you gotta do is pay pay for the materials i'm not even gonna charge you my going rate and uh, <laughs> nobody ever takes me up on it. <laughs> it's so wild, but this, this, this is what it is. But that, that's the thing I, w- I would like to, you know, design and build a, uh, a fraternity plot on one of the, one of the campuses. We have to make that happen. Uh, I went to Morgan State, so definitely <laughs> HBCU. I am I am not uh, in a fraternity or any sort, or have any connections there. But mm-hmm. Morgan State, IOTA, we got to get it. We got to make it happen. Got to make that happen. I'm, I'm trying to tell you, I've been trying to make it happen for years. Every I'm going to make some I, calls. Every time <laughs> I ask, I'm like, all you got to do is pay for the materials. I do this, you know, all day, every day. I'm, Look, I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll love it, but. Nobody ever takes me up on the offer. I don't know. Whatever. See, this is this is what we can do. We can get your we can get your card made out of wood that says wooden womb maker, and I'll send that over. Use my alumni credentials. I have a special card that has a bear on it, and then boom, you're now making that that, that fire plot for the homies. So there we go. You might have lost a couple people at the wooden womb maker. Look, you know, <laughs> it's gonna work. I guarantee it. Um so that's all the questions that I have, but mm-hmm. I want to give you the opportunity to, to shamelessly plug your website, uh, your social media, all of that good stuff. And again, thank you for being such a dope guest. Yeah. Thank you. Um, first the social handles is all heavy paper, heavy paper co that's all one word. Um, and my website is heavypaper.co. Um, and that's how you can find me if you need anything. If you have a creative project that you need some help with, I could possibly help with that. So thank you. Yeah. That's that's it. Um, I'll do my sign off and that'll be that. Uh, right. So for Lawrence Moore from Heavy Paper Co., I am Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. 